A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jada, Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across new and pre-owned petrol, diesel, LPG, plug-in hybrid and electric Renault, Dacia and Opel range. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to Thursday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show. Coming up over the next couple of hours, yes, my U2 story continues in words and song. On the music theme, Pat Coldrick is joining us. You know him well, classical musician from Navan in County Meath. No sign of an opening up for the entertainment industry. Pat's uh, going to have a chat with us about it. Siobhan O'Neill White is here. If you still haven't uh, got the school organised, because believe it or not, folks, we're in the penultimate week of the year as regards the summer holidays. And, uh, you know, people, some people are organised with everything, uniform, shoes, you name it, around school, going back to school. But other people are looking at this weekend and into the early days of next week of getting the business done. They leave it aside. And I think they're right to leave it as late as possible. Anyway, Siobhan O'Neill White is with us. She's from uh, Mum's Town and she will tell us all about our mums.ie and she'll tell us about, you know, her situation. She has children herself. She deals with mums all the time and she has plenty of uh, advice, hints and tips about going back to school time. We'll also be heading to uh, Dundalk and the Long Walk bus station you do know there's a bus park there today and we're supporting the Dundalk branch of Meals on Wheels and we want to fill this bus folks yes we want to fill it and we'll be tipping down there during the show to Pat O'Shaughnessy to let us know he let us know how we're getting on with filling the bus for Dundalk Meals on Wheels if you want to get in touch with us on the show 086-1800-658 WhatsApp or text me or you can call in at 1850-715-958 now Collecting, collecting things. Did you collect things in your lifetime? Were you a collector of this, that and the other? Collecting, is it still a thing that people do in 2021 in Ireland and around the world? Well, anyway, we're going to talk to a man today who collects and he's going to tell us what he collects. And he has loads and loads of them. Charlie Rogers. Hello. Hello there, Jerry. Thanks for joining me on the show today, Charlie. Um, Charlie, tell them what you collect. I collect tickets, concert tickets of all the gigs I was at. Especially the slain ones. The slain tickets, because this is the way this has come to light with us. You know what I mean? That you are a slain collector. You have tickets from every show. Every concert, yeah. The whole shebang. And were you at all of them yourself? Every one of them, yeah. From day one. Never missed? Never missed one, no. There's the the whole lot of them. And when you reflect on 40 years of slaying, 25 concerts in total, if I were to say to you, your most prized ticket, what was your favourite show? Tin Lizzy, the first one. 
By God, the first yeah. show, and I, I was the there show. too. <laughs> yep, the first one and the last one. Metallica. Metallica, without a doubt, the best show of the whole lot. Without and, a doubt. It got uh, better over the years, especially in the last three years with the Foo Fighters and Guns N' Roses and Metallica. Those three rock gigs now. I don't want to be biased, but I'm a hell of a rocker. Mm. <laughs> if it's bad, I'll tell you. <laughs> and do you, would you would you care to say on live on air today that if you were to say there was a couple of the shows that won't live in your memory, what ones would they be? Uh, Madonna, or what you don't diggy pop, probably, you know, Brian Adams was a bit quiet. Um, Eminem, the less said about him, the better. Um, <laughs> Liam Gallagher asleep for his concert, you know, standing up against the mic asleep. You know, there was a few iffy ones, mm. but in general, they were all good. Yeah. Yeah, special, special events and occasions. But I want to get yeah. back to the tickets, Charlie. So yeah. you, have, you have every ticket. You have the full collection. They're in pride of place in, in your home. Do you collect tickets from other things you've been at? Well, all other concerts like ACDC or the Sex Pistols and Motorhead and, you know, any of the gigs from the Pint, like, you know, Nirvana and you them kind of bands, you know. Mm. Uh, um, an army load of tickets from them, the SFX. Yeah, especially when I lived in London as well, I went to an army load of gigs in London. You know, the cult, Stiff Little Fingers, the Damned, all the old punk bands, and have all those tickets as well. And Charlie, why why keep the tickets, may I ask? I don't know. I always loved after a gig, you just keep it. You know, it just no particular reason. It was always shoved in the arse pocket and brought home and then shoved in the door. And that, that was tradition, you know what I mean? You from felt your... there was something wrong if you got home and where'd we take it? I love it. From your arse pocket to the drawers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Simple as that. So, all the tickets you have, genuinely, you've been at those concerts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you only live 10 miles away in, in, in Navin, like, you just, you've no excuse not to go out right mm. beside you. Mm. You know, it's right on your doorstep. All the poor suckers that came on buses and took days to get there and you know and we had it handy right we had to walk home a few times but you know what I mean there was always a bus or you'd jump in someone's car or minibus or something you'd you'd get your way home somehow mm. no. but the, come back to the ones in London and that and all those gigs you went to there what was yes. the story with those uh, Charlie you know and, and holding on to those there was no problem holding on to them you know I, I never had a problem we're keeping the tickets, you know, you, you buy the ticket, you go to the gig and, you know, you keep it, basically. Very simple for me, like, you know. Mm. So you mind it, you look after the ticket. I yeah, suppose yeah. you're unusual in that because most people would get tickets and throw them away. Probably, yeah, yeah. Well, now, it's not going to be, ticket collecting is going to stop now because from now on, it's just going to be a barcode in your phone, like that vaccination thing. You know, you won't have a paper ticket now anymore, so my days of collecting will be over probably. You know, even now next year, hopefully ACDC, I'll say it'll be just a code on your phone. Mm. So this could be the end of the ticket collecting, I'd imagine. So this is uh, going to be a thing of the past shortly. And I know what you're saying, as well as that, with lots of ticket master venues closing yeah. up as well, you know. Yeah, there'll be no queuing. Like, it's not going to be allowed to queue anymore for tickets. You're just going to buy it online and get jammed up. And, and you know, too many people, you know, yourself, try and buy especially for slaying 80,000 tickets in the one go, mm. <laughs> when no one can stand and queue for them, mm. you know, so 
something's going to give. And you mentioned ACDC. You have tickets to go and see them. Are you expecting them to be at Slane? Yeah, I am indeed, Jeff. I am. I'm hoping, hoping that they'll be there because they have a new album out now and they'll be starting their tour now when they're allowed. So if Slane is not on the list, there's something seriously wrong. Like he made the wrong decision in 2009 getting in the races and a week later ACDC were in Punchestown. And it, it should have been ACDC in, mm. in Slane and I'd have shoved that other fella in Punchestown and left him there. <laughs> Oh, tell me this. Um, have you inside information about ACDC? Because I had Henry on here the other day and he wouldn't give a thing away. Well, I've no inside information, only my gut feeling. <laughs> Just my gut feeling, you know, because like, I've seen queuing for tickets uh, when ACDC came to the um, O2, the first gig in the O2, and people queuing for 24 hours or queuing 12 hours and not getting them, mm. you know, and the only 18 people getting in the door. There's another 500 just going home after queuing for 12 hours. To me, that says at all that the plane was just made for them. Mm. You know, like even Metallica, they are a big heavy rock sound and they get 80,000. So if they can get 80,000 and the Foo Fighters and Guns and Rolls in the last few years, mm. no reason why ACDC won't. What about that punk era you mentioned to me and being in London and all the groups yeah. you saw there? If you yeah. were to pick some of those, who would you, who would you say were the stars of that era? Oh, the Sex Pistols, without a doubt. Best album of all time. You know, simple as that. When you see them live, there's just nothing like it. Johnny Rotten, the best frontman that ever set foot on a stage. stage. Mm. Absolute fruitcake. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that was some era it was then. An era that came and went, but made its mark, certainly in terms of the world of music. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Still makes its mark, even though punk bands wouldn't be selling but to certainly influence all the rock bands, you know, and which is ever since, you know, so that was always my first love, the punk. What do you do for a living? I'm a welder, welder fabricator, which we said, my brother have a business with MR trailers, so I can easily make up frames to hold tickets or anything like that. That's a doddle for me, mm. you know, so um, I'm just mad busy now at the minute, and after this I'll be back with the sledgehammer and the angle grinder. Once you have them, you're elected, you're away, you can earn a crust. What about your children? Do they, you know, are they following Dad or do they look on Dad's collection as, you know, something from uh, history? Um, not really. They're more popular now. The boys just uh, football and Gaelic music hasn't, certainly rock hasn't. It was on all the time for them, so I'm hoping that they'll start listening, but they're not busy kicking the ball about that. They're not that, they're not that interested. <laughs> and if you were to put a number on the tickets you have besides Slane, how many would you have? Do you, do you ever count them or do you have any idea how many tickets no, you have from oh, gigs? A couple of hundred, I suppose. Yeah. I never actually counted them. Half yeah. them are in the attic and more in drawers. And I must actually gather them all up now that you mention it and uh, keep an eye on them. Because there's some good tickets now from the RDF years ago. Queen, two years before they played Slane, which was a far better gig indoor, the RDF and then ACDC as well. and and um, Tim Dizzy as well in the RDS. Well, naturally, an indoor gig is better than an outdoor gig, mm. you know, no matter what way you look at it. Mm. Were, you ever, uh, were you ever stranded at a gig? You're not far, as you say, from Slane, where you live, and as the crow flies. Uh, did we ever stuck and, you know, had to make uh, alternate arrangements after gigs? Uh, not so much for Slane, because Slane, yeah. if you didn't get home, you always had the Dr. Martin's Express, so that would get you home. <laughs> 
which are, when you're in London or something like that and the tubes are finished and the buses are finished, you just have to try and make your way to Leicester Square and see with a night bus, which could take hours and getting, you know, there was all the down in buses and tubes in England. I did get stranded there now a few times as well. Mm. It was a lot longer Dr. Martin's Express than I thought. <laughs> Do you play yourself at all? Are you, are you, any music in you? I don't, but my two cousins and loads of my cousins and friends played for years and they went to Slane with us for all those years. You know, for most of the years in the 90s, Tommy and Brian and Powdo and Niff and Jimmy and all them boys were mad music heads. So we just took a few wild stories with them. Mm. You know, probably the maddest story was we got a bus one night after, I don't know whether it was R.E.M. or Neil Young, one of them concerts. We came out and we had no lift and all the buses started moving in a hurry. We opened the boot of a bus, 10 of us hopped in. And that was it. Away we went. And it was and the lights were green in it coming down with the round door. I mean, the one set of traffic lights in the town. The lights were green and the bus was heading for Enniskillen or somewhere. And he didn't stop and nav and away all ten of us in the boot of the bus with our feet up stamping at the roof of the bus, hoping someone could hear us and brought us out to Kells Road a couple of miles and the bus driver then finally figured out that someone in the boot opened up the boot and said, What the hell are you doing in the boot of my second bus? So we had to get out and walk then back to Kells Road. We might as well have stayed where we were on the bus road. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably one of the maddest episodes of us. Uh, you could have ended up the other end of the country. Anyway, we could have been at Enniskillen or somewhere. <laughs> Charlie, listen, mind them tickets and keep collecting. And I hope you see many more gigs and that ACDC do play Slane, whether it's hopefully, next year Jerry, or beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, no bother. And we'll see you over there. All right. God bless you, Charlie. No bother, Jerry. Mind yourself. Take bye. care now. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Charlie Rogers there. What a character he is. He has a massive collection of tickets, that man. Uh, and he should someday uh, put... His mind down to actually counting them. He's been at so many gigs, as you heard there, not alone slain in this country, or in the UK and beyond, all over the years. And he's held on to every ticket. Do you think, Louise, that he is unusual, really, for somebody to hold on to tickets? You know, I, I, now you're the hoarder. Remember, you are the hoarder. Have you tickets from your career at concerts? No, I didn't go to many concerts, though. I know my sister still has a ticket from a YouTube gig around 1984 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think people have to have tickets for events. Um, I think they would. What a about, lot of memories. Yeah, what about collecting in general? We're talking to Charlie there, folks, about collecting tickets. But I was just thinking outside the box um, about Charlie and, and prizing his concert tickets. But I remember, like, I used to collect stamps, right? I was a stamp collector one time in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I used to buy them in Woolworths. That's not today or yesterday. Coins. And when you mean stamps, like the normally like 10p, 5p, 1 euro stamps that you just put on. Or, International or spe- stamps. Okay. They used Seven to come in little packs in Woolworths of stamps. Yeah, right. you could buy them. Buy them in a pack and you'd have stamps from all over the world. And you had a stamp album. And you put the album, put the stamps into the album. You know what I mean? As you collect them. Or you could keep them uh, separately. Would you and- stick them into the album? I can't just remember that now. Surely but I, they'd I, lose value if you did. Yeah, I definitely had an album. But they came in little cellophane packs. You know, little mm-hmm. cellophane packs. They, and people often kept them just in those, for sure. You're right, to keep them in, in, in mint condition. And everyone's hope was to, to find a penny black. Did you ever hear of a penny black? Never. Thought it was a sweet. Oh, penny black. Yeah, penny you black is... things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you're thinking of. But a penny black, I think, is the most valuable stamp in the world. 
there were only there were years and years ago and there's only a few of them and they, if, you, if you Google it you'll see penny blacks are so valuable they really are valuable stamps but uh, you know stamp collecting was a thing coin collecting I, I definitely not I collected football cards and put them into oh, albums yeah. you know the, I think they still are, yeah you know yeah, from each year for the league in England and World Cups and things like that that was something I was into I see people, you know the football pins, you know a club has a football little badge or a pin. Mm-hmm. There are people mad into collecting football pins and football programmes, of course, and uh, sports programmes. I know mm-hmm. collectors we, of those. We had a little lad on, didn't we, the parents recently, Tom Lynch down in Kells? Yes. He, he collects all the jerseys yes. from everywhere. Yes. So, you know, collecting is collect. Does anyone collect stamps today? I'd say... No. Mm, no. Would you think that? No, I wouldn't think. Anyone collects stamps? Is there anyone out there as a stamp collector or knows a stamp or a coin collector? Let us know. We'd love to hear if there's anybody still at this or collecting something that we haven't even mentioned today. I was thinking of comics. Oh, dinkies. Do you know what I'm talking about? Dinkies. The little cars. The little cars. Mm. The little metal cars. I had a great collection of dinkies. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really had. God knows where they are or ever went. Fired but, off the roof. <laughs> <laughs> that's me, action man. But dinkies, dinkies were a thing that were collected by people as well. Um, like, you no, know. in my day, it was kind of all the girls collected fancy paper. Fancy really? paper and we swapped them in the schoolyard. Yeah, we had big envelopes and people mm. used to swap. Mm. They were kind of like little paper with just with kind of pictures on them and some people like there were amazing ones there was like Cabbage Patch dolls ones and Postman Pat and everybody swapped them the whole thing was to get one that nobody else had yes yes Um, if you're collecting or you're a collector of anything let us know we might not have mentioned it here today 086-1800-658 you can WhatsApp or text us to the show direct that's 086-1800-658 or if you'd like to call in it's 1850-715-958 Will we have a bet? Is there a stamp collector out there? Yes or no? Mm, I'd say there probably is still one. Mm, one. Have me doubts myself, I have to say. Anyway, let us know if you collect stamps or coins or anything else. We'd love to hear from you on late lunch this afternoon. First break, back in a moment. Hi, Jerry. I want to thank you so much for your lovely tribute to my uncle Gene McKenna yesterday. You could see by the expression on his face, he was very grateful. Thanks again. That comes in from Jared Jean's nephew. Thanks indeed, Jared, for coming back to us with those uh, gra- words of gratitude. We're only too delighted to uh, pay tribute to a wonderful man yesterday. Hi, Jerry. I have all the GAA tickets since 1986 from all the Mead games and all the programmes. That comes in from Flaming Amron and Mead this afternoon. Another listener says, you mightn't believe this, Jerry. But I collect Peggy's Legs sugar sticks. My God, we're going back there. Do you really? Well done to you. Uh, Jerry Martin's been on to say, just to let you know, Times Past Antiques on West Street in Drogheda still sell stamps, coins and dinky toys. And Jerry, believe it or not, there are still a few collectors about locally today. Thanks for that, Martin. We'll be in touch with you. Hi, Jerry. I bought my daughter, Shaley, a massive canvas map of the world for our bedroom when she was young. We collected pins of the flags of the nations of the world she visited. She's now 23 and still collects the pins when she goes travelling to different countries. There's now a great spread of flag pins all over the map and I'm sure she'll have many more to come over the years. Isn't that just lovely? Well done to Shaley again. And I have more messages on collecting. I'll be back to them in a wee while. 
But uh, sad to say, the summer is drawing to a close. We're in autumn now, for sure. You could see it less yesterday evening with the uh, darkness falling quite quickly and you can see the evenings coming back. And that means that school time is just round the corner. In fact, there are children returning to school at the end of next week, their first days, and then, of course, into the following week, early September. Now, there's a lot of people have the business done, but there are many who will do the buying and get ready for school over the coming days into the weekend and the early days of next week. And to tell us and guide us, and she as she always does, from mams.ie, she has three girls and a boy herself. I'm delighted to welcome back to Late Lunch, Siobhan O'Neill White. Hello, Siobhan. Hi, Jerry. Thank you for joining me on the show. Now, I know you'll probably feel I'm a last-minute Lucy here and that, but, you know, there are people like that who have still a a lot to do. Can we begin first with the uniforms, Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, A lot of people aren't organised fully yet. I'm not even fully organised yet, and I would be quite an organised person. But when you have more than one child, there's so much to do, and you want to enjoy your summer. So I kind of stagger, you know, the purchases over the summertime. Mm. And so uniforms, a lot of schools will tell you you have to go to a certain supplier and you have to get this crested uniform. And, you know, that's all well and good if you've plenty of money. But if you don't and if you have more than one child, that can put a real strain on a family. So I always try and find places that will give you the same, you know, good quality uniform, but maybe not at the same price that the school would send you to a place for it. So uh, best wear in Drogheda, I'm always going to be a champion, I'm champion them because they do really good quality uniforms. They're cheaper than the place where the school says we should buy them from. It's the same manufacturer. It's the same product. It's the same quality. It's just cheaper. So Kieran and the lads in there are really nice. And you'll see there's been a, a little queue outside that shop the whole summer. People realise how great that little shop is down there in, in the middle of the town in Drogheda. So they're really good. Best wear. That's one of the best places to go for uniforms. But if you are a little bit craftier if you are struggling financially and many people are because we're still in a pandemic and people aren't fully back to work mm. you can go into Dunn's or you know little Aldi Tesco wherever and you can buy generic jumpers uh, cardigans and you can have the crest put on Okay. now a lot of schools will sell the crest to parents or you can go somewhere like a haberdashery like Bestwear and they'll embroider it on for you for about between three and five euros so you can you know if you're worried about money um you definitely can save some money by doing it that way okay really good advice there uh, on the crest as well what about non are there such thing as non-uniform schools yeah there are some non-uniform schools and you know i i actually think that would be worse because my children anytime i've taken them out over the summer my god my i have a teenage two teenage girls now they take so long to get ready so by having the uniform, you know what they're going to be wearing. I, For me, I'm glad my kids have a uniform. I know it's expensive and at, in the summertime, it's a lot to buy. But the thought of having to let them get dressed, picking their own clothes every morning for school, I sympathise with the parents who have to go through that. Um, and that's tough. That's tough going. That really is. Mm, and again, there is value to be had. You mentioned some of the multiples there. If you're in a non-uniform school, go shopping. Definitely. And even for things like uh, winter coats and school bags and shoes. Pennies is, is absolutely brilliant. You can get loads of stuff in there. And you know, pennies Pennies is never expensive. So, you know, you don't have to go to the one place and get, you know, all your stuff in the one place. It's all right to shop around a bit and try and find, like pennies would have school bags from 10, 12 euro. They've got really good winter coats for around 20 euro. So you don't, and sure, look, you don't even need to be buying the winter coats right now. I know there's this 
you have this kind of you want to get everything got before they go back but you don't need to buy the winter coats till october mm. so maybe don't put yourself under massive pressure to get everything now i haven't paid all the school fees yet there's so many school fees i have a daughter going into ty transition year her school fees are 1200 euro for one child i haven't paid all of that yet and i won't i i don't we don't have to pay i think until november so I'm staggering that. So if you, if you do, because you can feel overwhelmed when, when there's huge fees like that. Mm. So stagger it out. And if you're struggling, talk to the school. The school will understand we are still in a tricky situation. So, you know, not everybody is financially good right now. So if you are struggling, don't be lying awake at night worrying about it. Talk to the school. Before you go and get a loan or do something, go and talk to the school. Because honestly, don't saddle yourself with debt unless you absolutely have to really mm. there's other ways to to manage things to pay things and installments and you know most schools if you quietly they will be understanding and Siobhan while you're on you know the, the the fees and that you know during the year you get the request for donations voluntary contributions and again if people are finding it going tough you know are you obliged to pay those or again should you go and talk to them yeah see this is the thing right so we've had politicians telling us for years they're going to do away with crested uniforms they're going to make back to school more you know not so stressful for parents they've done diddly squat zero nothing so if you have to pay a lot of money for school fees and uniforms and all of that the school is doing themselves out of the opportunity for voluntary contributions by putting pressure on parents who can't do both so i think if a school is looking for a voluntary contribution but you've got a huge amount of school fees crested uniform our school is looking for a particular kind of shoes. I, I, you know, I think in the middle of a pandemic, it's not something we should be focusing on, you know, mm. what kind of shoe and, and given a voluntary contribution. I wouldn't, I, I would say to people, you're under no obligation to give that money to the school. Look at your situation. Look at your family. You know, the kids are going to be back to school. Christmas is going to be coming flying around. Don't put yourself under any more financial pressure than you absolutely have to be under. We have enough to be dealing with at the moment without adding extra pressure onto ourselves. What about shoes and runners? You referred to them there a moment ago. And uh, what's your preference there? Like a wide selection, you have your traditional shoe shops that look after you as well. You know, having spare pairs, backups, you know, that type of whole thing. What have you to say about that? Well, you know, Dunn's and and places, Marks and Spence are actually very good. Their shoes are quite hard wearing. Clark's are good if your child needs to be, you know, fitted for a shoe. You know, shop around, see what you can get. I mean, I wouldn't be spending 100 euro on a pair of shoes for any of my children and I wouldn't care what school said if they want. I know some schools particularly want, there's a brand of Irish shoe, it's quite expensive. It's like 100 euro for a pair of shoes and the school insists the children have this shoe. That's a load of baloney. There's replica shoes in Duns and Pennies and places like that. Absolutely no parent should be under pressure to spend a huge amount of money on shoes for their child. I mean, really, look at what we're all going through. It's ridiculous. And schools who are putting pressure on parents right now should be absolutely ashamed of themselves. Bringing in new uniform items. Our school brought in new PE kit items this year and and they have to have them all for TY. And I, I just think, really, like now, when we're all going through so much, now you're adding extra pressure, extra stuff for parents to get. It's just, to me, that just seems really silly. Yeah, you know, and you're in the heart of it and you're hearing what other mums have to say and you speak from the heart there and I hope people will, you know, it's a done deal in places, but it's something that really should be taken on board and considered as we move through uh, this school year. Now, what about books and book schemes, etc.? 
Yeah, well, um, my teenagers all have iPads and while they are expensive, they last for years. So in the long run, it's actually a better option. Um, I will say this, if, you're, if your child, um, a really good tip with the books um, and, and iPads and anything that your child wears, coats, bags, label everything, label every single thing. The really good company, mynametags.ie, and they'll make, you can, you can get, you know, stickers with your child's name, your phone number. So if something gets lost, and it will get lost. Have you ever seen a lost and found box in the school? It is jam-packed with coats, jumpers, cardigans. Mm. That's basically you just throwing your money away. Label everything so you get it back. The books, um, books are starting to be weaned out. More and more schools are turning uh, to technology, yeah. and it is a better option, actually, in the long run. Um, so, again, if you're struggling, sometimes I know there's certain dictionaries and certain books that are quite expensive. The charity shops are brilliant. They often have, you know, books that are like 25, 30, 40 euro. They'd often have them in there. Go into your local charity shop and have a chat with them. You know, there was a there was a dictionary thing we needed to get and it was sold out and we couldn't get it. And somebody said to me, oh, I've seen that up in the, the St. Vincent de Paul shop in the Lawrence Centre. And I went in I, and we got it for something like two euro. If you go in and have a chat with the girls and say, listen, if such and such a thing comes in, give us a ring. They're so nice. They want to help you. Um, you know, you can get discounts on Eason's and schoolbooks.ie and educate.ie and places like that. So look for the promotional codes. Always look for a promo code. There'll often be 10 or 15% off. Look for free shipping. You know, look for free book covering, things like that. See, when you're making a big purchase like that, make sure um, that your shipping is free, that they're going to give you some sort of a discount. And if they're not going to give it to you, go to one of the other book places and see if they'll give it to you. Well done. That's uh, terrific advice. And especially that you mightn't consider the charity shops, but the books go in there and it is well worth a hunt around. You can save yourself a lot of money. Now, when they actually go back to school, a couple of things. The lunches and the lunchbox and all that revolves around that. How do you deal with you had four of them? Yeah, it's uh, oh god, it's fun, Jerry. You know, it's not fun. I'm I'm lying, obviously. Um, I try to give them a lot of fruit and veg. I try to give them little carrot sticks and grapes and crackers and, and like lots of little snacky things. And it's a good idea to get um one of those lunch boxes that keeps things cold. So if you're making them sandwiches or something, and a lot of people make them the night before, if you put it in a proper lunch box that has, you know, it's insulated, it will keep it cool. Um, it can be absolutely fine for them. So you don't need to be putting yourself under massive pressure to make everything in the morning time. It's uh, better if you can do it the night before. So I would say get yourself a good lunch box that has, I picked up one in deals the other day, um, a friend's lunchbox for like three euro. And it's one of those insulated ones. So the grapes and the sandwiches and everything that goes in there will stay cold um, until lunchtime. So if you, you know, if you wrap them up properly, um, they should be fine for the kids. Another good option, because we're all trying to be a bit more environmentally friendly, is to use sandwich bags instead of tinfoil. So you can get those sandwich bags, paper bags in most of the supermarkets. Most of them sell them at this stage. Wrap the sandwich up, pop it into the little refrigerated cooler lunchbox, and that will be perfect for them for lunchtime. And then you can know like tinfoil is an awful thing for the environment. So you don't want to be throwing out balls of tinfoil every day. The little sandwich bags are a great alternative. What's your routine? Because, you know, they have the freedom of the summer. They're staying up a little later. They enjoy the time and it should be enjoyed. But when you get back, routine, uh, you know this, I don't have to tell you, it's very, very important. But, you know, when they come home mm. after the school day, you know, what's the best modus operandi? Or does, it different for, does it differ for different people? You know what I'm talking about? Some people maybe have something to eat first or they take a little break and have time off, then attend the homework. What's your uh, way of working? 
I find that with my primary school daughter, get the homework done, just get it done. The minute she comes in, she's in her uniform. She's still in that mode of, you know, she's still in school mode. Get it done. I usually, as she's doing the homework, I'm doing it with her. I have her in the kitchen beside me. She's up on the breakfast bar and I'm making her a snack while she's having, doing her homework. And we do it together. And if your child, especially a primary school child, if your primary school child is spending more than 30 minutes on their homework, you need to talk to the teacher and you need to see it shouldn't be more than 30 minutes. A child should not be spending more than 30 minutes doing homework. Um, we That's how we found out that our daughter had dyslexia. It was taking an hour and a half every day and every day homework ended in tears, hers and mine. So if your child is struggling, you absolutely have to talk to your teacher. If they can't get through that homework in a half an hour, you have to talk to the school. And, you know, the kids often have a little notebook. I would often write notes to the teacher and say, she found this difficult today. And then the teacher the next day will write a note back or they might give me a ring. Open those lines of communication because if your child is sitting there for an hour, an hour and a half doing homework, honestly, I'm not sure how much they're learning. Mm. They're getting very stressed and really they should be in snack homework, out of the uniform, out to play as quick as you can do it. And then let them have some, you know, play time out on their scooters or their bikes or whatever it is um, until dinner time. So, I try to get it over quickly and and she doesn't like it if I say to her, we're going to stop now. You've done 30 minutes. That's it. Sometimes she wants to keep going, but I think it's counterproductive to push them to do too much mm. homework. And finally, uh, shot eye time has to be uh, uh, enforced as well, unfortunately. Uh, is that, that is the difficulty, isn't it, after the summer to get them into that routine? It's an absolute nightmare. And I just know, and I know from experience, and I know from speaking to so many mommies on mums.ie and at our coffee mornings and everything, the first night before they go back to school, nobody sleeps. I mean, honestly, you put them to bed, you do all the relaxing, you might have a bath, you get them in, 10 o'clock, half 10, 11 o'clock, wide-eyed. So look, give yourself a break. The first night and the first morning is really, really tough. I think it takes about a week to get back into the routine. And mm. My 14-year-old said to me the other day, Mom, I have to start getting up earlier because I know, you know, she's back to school in, in two weeks. So I went in this morning and I woke her at 20 past nine. I, yeah, I could have brought a cement truck into that room and it wouldn't have woke her. <laughs> I went back an hour later. I said, Come on, honey, you told me to wake you. She's just unconscious in the bed. So um, I know it's going to be an absolute nightmare. But usually after about a week or so, they get yeah. back into routine. So... I would say get yourself, you know, if you're a little bit organized, get a couple of lasagnas or something into the freezer the week before they go back. Try and get yourself because it's going to be tiring and you might not feel like cooking a big dinner, you know. So have a few things ready to go just to make it a little bit easier on yourself. Well, you've uh, been a mine of information, let me say, this afternoon. Check her out, mams.ie. Siobhan O'Neill White, as usual. Thank you so much for joining us and good luck with the return to school to you and everybody. Thanks, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Fantastic, Siobhan. She's uh, full of information and lots of experience under her belt. Thank you indeed for all your messages. Uh, Jerry. even though I spoke to the school about the contributions, I was still sent out reminders about it not being paid. And Jerry, I was out of work at the time uh, during the pandemic. You know, that's what schools have to use discretion and that can't be the case going forward. It really can't. And honest to God, I have more messages there about the contributions and schools as well. I'll come back to in a moment. Now, today is a very special day in our family because... 
Pippa Kelly is two. Yes, she's two years old today. Happy birthday, Pippa. I saw her this morning and she's full of the joys and she's having a great day with her mum and dad. Where have those two years gone? And she's absolutely adorable. She, she is. And uh, we're having a little get together, I believe, the weekend to celebrate. Anyway, from her dad, Jared, mum, Shauna, the Karen and the Kelly families and everybody. Happy birthday, Pippa. And this one is just for you. John's been on to say, my collection, Jerry. you're talking about collections today, was showband photos from the 60s and 70s. I still have every one of them in a photo album. Well done to you, John. On the uh, school uniform clothing issue, a listener on from Mid Loud to say a school locally there insists on a coat that costs 60 euro. And uh, if you have to wash the coat, you have to try and wash it and get it dried quickly and back on them because no other coat will do for the school. And the listener thinks it's absolutely ridiculous and they blame the parents' council in the school for this one. Thank you indeed for your comments. Keep them coming to us. Now, news today that there is going to be no lifting, really, of restrictions until the end of September. And one of the sectors really impacted by this is the entertainment sector. They are probably the last in line to receive some relief from the lockdown and he's a very good friend of ours on late lunch and he must be tearing his hair out at this stage classical guitarist Pat Coldrick hello again Hi Jerry uh, can you hear me okay? I have you loud and clear Pat well, That's great I'm up here on top of the uh, the hill of host uh, dancing around the Pascal fire there in the hope that this uh, business of ours will reopen soon. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, Pat, you got to do it. But Pat, tell me this, um, on a serious note, uh, are, are you despairing today when you hear the news? Oh, gosh, Jerry. I mean, uh, I would normally be very positive-minded um, and it, it's very, very frustrating. I mean, the situation has been so hard for everybody in the arts. I mean, and there's still no date or a roadmap for reopening. I mean, there's 35,000-plus people involved in this business, and it's very frustrating. In fact, it's unacceptable that even the Minister of Arts and Culture, Catherine Martin, isn't even allowed to attend uh, a, so, a COVID so, uh, so, um, subcommittee and to voice her concerns, and, and all her concerns in the industry to put forward her suggestions and ours for a roadmap to recovery so it's it's very very frustrating yeah would a roadmap uh, be something that would at least give you a direction and and a date you all could look forward to even if they did that would that even suffice at this stage well we really need a date jerry i mean um, we really need something we need something at this stage because it's gone on too long um certainly a date is more important because I mean a roadmap and all well is great, but this business I mean it's not it's not a light switch business you can just turn off turn on and away you go, events and concerts and and big events they need to be organised people need to be notified musicians, stage crews promoters to advertise it you know that's done sometimes two or three months in advance of any event taking place so so really a date would be would would give us a chance to to um, prepare properly. Does it irk you, Pat, when you look up the road, so to speak, just a few miles from where we are today and gigs are happening the weekend before last in Belfast, 10,000 people at a festival there? That must be of uh, concern and annoyance to you. 
Well, I, I, I don't understand it, to be honest with you. I mean, like... <sighs> I mean, a concert, concert in Belfast can hold 7,000 people. And, you know, the US, England, most countries now are having big live events. We, we're only allowed to have 200 people outdoors do, uh, down here at the minute. Um, Crow Park... Um, the GAA, and, and fair play to them. I mean, they're allowed 40,000 people in there to watch a match. Uh, I can't understand why you can't have the same amount of people or even 10,000 people at a concert. I mean, what, um, because it's at this stage, I mean, it's as bad as it's going to get. I mean, most people are sort of vaccinated now. Um, it's pretty safe, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, there's, there's, what should really be done, I mean, Kilmainham, uh, um, there was a concert there recently in Kilmainham, mm. and 200 people intended. It was a live concert. It was a pilot concert to see how things would work out. Mm. There's been no data, nobody checked, or nobody, there was no data that came back from, from that concert. Um, nobody knows how it went. Nobody knows, uh, was there any cases of COVID? You know, so, like, what are the government doing? What, what are NEFA doing? Uh, I mean, I don't understand um, we should be well be able to run concerts. I think it's ridiculous that the Electric Picnic has been has been cancelled. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the people that would run these events would be like the people that run the GAA events. They're, they would be very, very careful, and they would follow uh, safety measures. And public in general, and musicians, and everybody at this stage are very, very careful about safety precautions and heeding advice. So it's not just one big drinking fest and and free for all. I mean, music is so, so, so important to people. Live music is so, so, so important to people. And and um, people are really, really missing it at this stage. And it should, it really should be should be brought back um, immediately, you know, at this stage, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, not alone you as the performer out front. Look at all the jobs that are behind the scenes as well, involved with music all over the place. Those people haven't worked a day since the initial lockdown. Look, for yourself, Pat, have you had any opportunity, even in a limited capacity, to gig or what's happening in that Zoomish online world of uh, entertainment? Um Firstly, Jerry, as you say, and quite correctly say, it's not only musicians losing out here. It's it's uh, stage crews, promoters, managers, people behind the scenes in the business are all affected, and they're all in serious financial trouble. Um, not to mention uh, mental health. Um, you know, they're talking about uh, cutting the PUP payment now on the September the fourteenth, and and and. Um, that leaves us in, in, in an just only, totally unacceptable situation uh, for musicians. I mean, we're barely surviving as it is on what we're getting. Um, in, in relation to um, what you just asked me there, um, you know, some of the schemes were very welcome. Like this, the government there, they, they um, handed out some LPSS grants, uh, the live uh, performance uh, scheme grants to the arts counts, uh, to the arts and music venues. But um, these really are not exactly gigs as such. I mean, there's no audience in attendance, and the grants really only help to keep these venues open. Now, fortunately, being a solo musician, uh, I, have a, I, I have done two of them, and welcome to play, but it's not a gig as such. You know, you're sitting there playing to nobody and to a camera, and, and that will be then put out online, but it's not really a gig as such, because 
the, one of the most important things about doing a gig or a concert is that there's an audience there, and an audience, as far as I'm concerned, accounts for um, half the concert, half the whole atmosphere. You have to have people there to perform to, you know. It's not the same. Uh, so uh, so right, Pat, it is different. And like, that's you, who uh, is the most uh, pleasant, positive man I've ever met in my life and a happy man uh, in, in a general sense in your life and your music as well. And, you know, you we, we hear what you're saying. I hear the frustration in your voice, the annoyance and how you're missing the audience. Where to from here? You mentioned Catherine Martin not getting a say in and she wants to have a say. What's happening in terms of the business and you guys? Are you getting together? Have you have you influenced like other groups have? Well, there's a great new association started up there last year. Um, uh, Jackie Conboy, I think, um, Matt McGranahan, I think his name is. And they've set up the, um, the Irish Music Business and Entertainment Association. And they've been very vocal and very helpful and sort of reporting to the Minister of Arts and they're there really fighting our corner and they've done great work in, in, in getting us all recognised and uh, our feelings and suggestions but it, it is, it does not make any sense, it's totally illogical not to have the Minister for Arts and Culture n- not be allowed to attend one of these sub-COVID meetings I mean, it, like I, I, I just don't get it mm. I just don't understand it I mean, th- that would be the first person I'd have there well, Pat, look, uh, I, I'm listening and we're all listening to what you are saying and we all miss the gigs. We all miss the music. Music is the essence of life. It lifts us every day. It makes us emotional. It makes us laugh. It makes us cry. It brings back memories. It entertains us. And uh, I, I feel for you and for everybody involved as well. And I just hope that they pay attention to what's been said by you and others and that there's an engagement and that, please God, we'll have gigs uh, back sooner rather than later. Uh, Pat, thanks so much for taking our call today and I wish you well. Thank you very much, Sherry. Thank you. Take care of yourself. That's uh, Pat Coldrick there, fantastic guy, wonderful classic mu- classical musician, and I'm sure reflecting uh, the viewpoint of oh so many people out there. We are missing it. We are, and it's not easy. It really, really isn't. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. We were speaking with Charlie Rogers, top of the show, about his incredible ticket collection. Charlie has every ticket from every concert he ever attended, including all of the Slane gigs, but concerts all over Ireland, abroad as well, especially in London. And Liam's been on to say, I have loads of tickets myself. My two favourites is the last Thin Lizzy concert and an unused ticket for Nirvana at the RDS in 1994, Friday, April the 3rd. Kurt Cobain died just before it and the concert was off and Liam still has that ticket and he has an extensive collection of tickets as well. There you are. It's not just our man Charlie Rogers that holds on to them. Charlie's uncle Tommy Rogers was also in touch with us to just let us know that Charlie and his cousin Brian used to hide their clothes outside the house. They'd sneak out of the house then evening times or whenever during the day and dress up as punk rockers, go down to Navantown and if you met them you think you were looking at bats out of hell. Tommy, <laughs> thanks indeed for getting in touch with us on the show. I can just picture it myself. Somebody else in touch to say he's a collection of old phone cards that you used to use in the phone box. Indeed, Paddy Brennan assembled the biggest collection of phone cards I ever saw. Paddy has them all from the test ones at inception of those phone cards till the final one published. And Paddy has passed his collection on. He's a colleague of mine in Air to Aircom for many years and he's keeping hail and hearty. He passed them on to the local museum and they're there 
there as well. But there were lovely things to collect as well. The phone card and all the different images that were on them. I wish Paddy well if he's listening to us or anyone who knows him is listening today. Wish him well. He's a great, great man. He really is. Now on to my artists of the week. You too. Rattle and Hum followed the Joshua Tree and really was on a hiding to nothing. Given how well... Uh, the Joshua Tree was actually received. I told you yesterday it was regarded as a seminal album by the critics around the world. Yet despite mixed reviews for Rattle and Hum, it only sold 14 million copies, was number one worldwide and delivered you to their first number one single in the UK. What was that? It was called Desire, of course. Into the 90s now and stung by criticism of that sixth album, you 2 went on a musical transition journey, delivering LP number seven, Achtung Baby, in November 91, which became, yes, one of the most successful albums ever, spawning five hit singles and enjoying extensive critical acclaim. Zeropa Zeropa was the next one, uh, the first of a new long-term six-record deal with Island Polygram in 1993, with the pop album then completing uh, their recordings in the 90s. Incidentally, that six-album deal, you know what it was worth to you two? 60 million dollars. Wasn't that some dosh? It really was. As the new millennium dawned, U2 again changed direction, seeking what they described themselves as a more simple sound. Hmm, indeed, that's what they say it was. So they went back and started working again. That's for tomorrow and a new decade. But today, it's back to the late 90s and a song that was on the B-side of Where the Streets Have No Name, which in itself became a hit single in its own right. I really love this one. You too, and the sweetest thing, my artist of the week this week. And I'm listening to the lyrics of that song and the words, I'm losing you, just are in my mind at this minute. As I think about the families whose lives have changed forever today. I think of that fatal crash on the road between Dulik and Kilmoon Cross, where two lives have been lost, two young lives. I'm losing you. And two families, their lives have been changed forever today. And I think of them. And I'm emotional thinking of them today. And God help them and be with them. At this awful, awful time, please remember those people today. Please, please do. We started the show today talking about collecting and collectibles and Charlie Rogers told us about his extensive ticket collection from all the gigs he's been to through his life and you've been telling us that you're collecting this, that and the other still. And we're just thinking, Miss Evan Louise, you know, what? Other things do people collect? And we thought of a man, well, he's just uh, the man, we call him Mr. Toys. He is, yes. The imagination just goes all over the place when you visit Duffy's Toy World in Dunley. And I'm delighted to say he's joining us again. Tony Duffy, hello. Hello, Jerry. How are you? Good to talk to you again. Great to talk to you too. Tony, you are a man who uh, stocks extensively many toys from yesteryear and uh, toys, in fact, of this year and next year, of course. But what would you say, you know, in your line of business, people are big collectors of? 
Oh, there's a, quite a range of that sort of stuff, Jerry. But it, it depends on the age groups that we're talking about. Now, our farming collection, which is probably one of the biggest in Ireland with the tractors and the implements and all that sort of stuff, that uh, that extends from year one to 100 or 105, if you get that far. It's, it's a total, uh, it's a total uh, sale of, 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 of collectibles. It's every age group that, that get, get into that sort of stuff, you know. Mm. Absolutely every age, no matter what age you are. And if you're interested in, in agri-gear agri or anything farming, that's the, the stuff for you, you know. It just goes on and on and on. It's the one long item that's lifelong of a collectible. So that's those die-cast metal little models. I know them. I've been in your place and you've such a wonderful collection of them with all the brands there. Can I ask you about another one? Because I remember uh, buying my daughter many years ago, Sylvanian Families. Is that a collectible? Oh, that's that's one of the better ones from that part of, uh, part of our shop there. We probably stocked the biggest range of Sylvanians because we've been selling for uh, 30 years and we, we sell it every day. Uh, it's absolutely collectible, uh, so much so that we have a number of ladies that come in every time that they get new products and, and enhance their attics again with the villages of our building, with all the buildings that they've bought from us over the years. And the families walking between one taking and the other, you know, it's mm. just it's just so, so so fantastic. Like when you see it out uh, in the people's attics and uh, or in the rooms, wherever they happen to have them. That's where the, it's mostly ladies that collect this sort of stuff, you know. And I mean, twenty nine year old ladies, you know. Mm. But there you are, Sylvanian families. Uh, the child, the young girl, is still within the woman as she grows. Great to hear, Monchichis. Oh, Jerry. That's that's one of the that's one of the collectibles really, uh, because it's been, we have uh, we've been selling it for in excess of forty years in that case. Um, we got the spicy in from Japan, and we have a very good loyal following for uh, for the latest collectible ones that's available. Just to continually keep selling, and you, you would you wouldn't believe that, but when people come in, just, oh look at Munchies, can't I have one of those? I must buy another one for my daughter or my granddaughter or something like that. You know, it's it's a continuous sort of sale for us. We're probably the only shop in the country to sell them. Uh, mm. And Tony, what about today for the the younger generations? What's the latest collectible? Well, the uh, first range at the moment, uh, Jerry, is uh, wooden toys, and, and that would be uh, got to do with different companies. Now, it's not only the children that play with these things, but adults as well, because it can be used for design and uh, layouts and things like that, you know. Like, what, the ranges I'm talking about particularly would be the Grimm's uh, the wooden ranges, uh, which are, um, we also do another two ranges from Spain called Okamora and uh, um, Grappas, and they are used for design. People make up these designs themselves, and to get the flowers and to get the other things for making it, it's, this is not necessarily for children. This is for everybody. And, and Tony, can I ask you this? And I'm I'm indulging myself here. Is Airfix still around today? Uh, we don't do Airfix ourselves, uh, but the Airfix is still available. Yes, it is. Uh, we do the Revell kits from Germany, which are fantastic quality. And have a, we have a big range. We probably have about 120 or 130 different planes available for people. So oh, that's, that's on top of that. That's cars and and, um, and, and Second World War um, 
um, um, armour and things like that, you know. Mm. And and just in a general sense, Tony, uh, we're in uh, late summer, early autumn, and of course your busy season is on the horizon. It's not that far away. But do you tick along during the year with people calling for birthdays and occasions and collectors like we're talking about? No, we do. Like um, like the stuff that we're doing now, we've shifted slightly from all the, the high-profile things that's on television. In fact, we don't sell anything that's advertised on television. We don't sell electronics. We don't sell um, battery-operated gear. We sell imagination, creation, and development. That's what we sell. They're the three things that I look at before I buy anything. A child must be able to get play value out of it on a continuous basis, not just to buy it and throw it there. Mm. Because I, I believe, Gary, and I've told you this before, the dearest thing you can buy for any child is something that they don't play with. You have wasted your money totally. Mm. That's so true. So it's all year round. Uh, there's a wonderful selection there. And Tony uh, is there and Audrey and they'll all look after you for sure. Tony, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Jerry. Good to talk to you again. You too. Take care of yourself. That's uh, Tony Duffy there from Duffy's Tie. Well, we generally only think of them uh, at the Christmas time of the year, but he is there all year round, and that's what I admire about him. It's about imagination. It's about non-battery, non-electronic. That shop is just an Aladdin's cave. It, it really is. But there you are. Uh, collectible items that people, uh, you know, add to their collections of any age. You hear there, Tony, uh, talking about it. And, you know, collecting is fantastic, and it's a wonderful interest. Airfix, did you ever hear of Airfix, Louise, in your time? Do you know what I'm talking about? The Airfix models, no? Never heard. Yeah, Airfix is a big thing when I was growing up, especially Woolworths. Woolworths used to stock them and model airplanes and that. You'd get them in little kits, mm. uh, moulded plastic. You'd break the pieces off, assemble them, paint them and, you know, you'd make a collection of them as well. I'm sure there are people who... I had four sisters. I'd know ah, brothers. Ah, sure to God, so what am I talking... All what am I side? asking you that question for? Silly me and indeed. Cindy's and Barbies. Ah, yeah, it's a boys thing, isn't it? The Airfix yeah. was a real boys thing. It was, of course. Anyway, that's a lot on late lunch this Thursday afternoon. Don't forget the bus at the Long Walk. It's there until four o'clock. Pat's there as well. He'll be talking to Eddie in a little while. Eddie's coming next with the drive tomorrow on late lunch. Elaine Butler, living lightly. We all got to live more lightly because of the situation with the planet. Emily Oster's with us on parenting. Katrina Callahan, the bonnery. She'll bake a cake for you. Leon Blanche on sport and my riddle on Friday. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jada, Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across new and pre-owned petrol, diesel, LPG, plug-in hybrid and electric Renault, Dacia and Opel range. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.